Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. And we are here to discuss the October 1st, 1985 issue, uh, X-Men Annual Number 9, cover price of $1.25, 48 pages. This one's titled, There's No Place Like Home. And it's got a super sweet Art Adams cover. I think it's a pretty average Art Adams cover, honestly. Really? Well, okay. In in the scheme of what Art Adams had brought us from classic X-Men, I guess I could agree with that. You want to know something? You zoom in on this, and it's a, it's a super cool cover. If you just zoom it right in on Storm, Colossus, Cannonball, and Kitty? Yeah. Yeah. Then, then I agree with you, but like the way that it is right now, it's just like uh, it's it's too it's it's too it's too wide. I, there's too much going on. Everything's little. Well, I think it's it's little because they, for whatever reason, in this particular annual and maybe even in past annuals, they decided to put that white border around the cover to maybe make it look more book like or fancy. I'm not sure why. The background's purple. There's a building on the side that looks dumb. Well, it's it's Asgard Purple Sky and Asgard Factory. <laughs> Asgard Factory. <laughs> you know, it's got horns on the top and like a little little crown and then yeah, it's got factory windows. It looks like a New York City city uh, New York Cityscape with Asgard horns. Yeah, yeah. You nailed Dumb. it. Dumb. <laughs> so what I found pretty interesting uh about this book or uh, not maybe not pretty interesting, but Whatever's going on with the trade paperback publication is that this doesn't exist in uh, X-Men Ghosts trade paperback, which covers, I don't know, the what, X-Men 199 to 209 and X-Men Annual number 10. And then the Epic Edition that we just got through, which covers, I don't know, a bunch of stuff. But in between those two books, the only thing missing from an uncanny X-Men perspective is X-Men Annual number 9. I thought that was weird. So I'm wondering if, if there's there's two options I think. One is that maybe maybe both of these will be in the next epic collection of the the X-Men, the next volume of the epic collection of of whatever volume that last one was. Um the other thing is that uh I have a uh, Wolverine Epic Collection Volume 1 and it does not have uh the Wolverine Limited series, which you think a Wolverine Epic Collection would have to feature the Wolverine Limited series, right? Uh, it can't be epic unless it's got that. Exactly. So I think that they're probably going to put that in Epic Collection X-Men, whatever falls into that. You think they're going to put the Wolverine Limited series in one of the X-Men Epic Collections? Yes. that's That, that seems... Uh... Weird, but it wasn't that. It, uh, wasn't Wolverine in the omnibus, the X Men omnibus? Yes, but the X the well, Wolverine the limited series was in the Wolverine omnibus and the X Men omnibus. The the omnibi or whatever you want to call them are slightly different than the epics. I I'm not really sure what's going on. It seems like the epics actually have more, but maybe they have less. Um, so what I'm wondering is that maybe when the New Mutant epic. New Mutants Epic Volume Whatever comes out, it will include this story. Because this is in New Mutants Classic Volume 5, which is what I'm reading it from. Ah. 
So I'm wondering if they're thinking this is more of a New Mutants story than a X-Men story. Uh, yeah, could. I mean, spoilers, though. I mean, X-Men number 200 will feature a reveal from, from what happened. I mean, it's not a huge part. I think it's only a panel, to be honest. But uh, I, I did a little bit of looking up, and uh, X-Men annual number 9 is featured in the following two X-Men-related trade paperbacks. Essential X-Men number six, which in my opinion doesn't count because it's not color. And uh, X-Men the Asgardian Wars, which I talked about a couple of episodes ago, seeing at my local half-price books and being like, I should buy this. Nah, I already have all this content. <laughs> but then I come home and I'm like, wait a minute, where's X-Men number or annual number nine? So maybe if it's still there, I'll, I'll pick it up. Just wait till the Epic Collection comes out. It might be in the next one. I'm not going to rebuy this. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, another interesting tidbit in the uh, Uncanny X-Men trade paperbacks Wikipedia article is that Art Adams began his association with the X-Men here in X-Men number annual number nine. So uh, I don't remember a release or publication dates of classic X-Men, but I'm guessing it must have been right around this time period. Oh, sure. 1985. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So. I can't remember. It was so long ago. <laughs> I put it out of my mind. At least that's what Wikipedia has to tell you. So anyways, yeah, there, there you go. So given that I don't have this issue, and actually that's not true. I, I totally have this issue somewhere in a box in the basement. But I don't have it in trade paperback format. I didn't read it. Oh, man. <laughs> so we're done then. You're on your own. I, I can only surmise that uh, the new mutants go to Asgard the X-Men go there for some reason, they rescue Storm and the New Mutants, and they get back to Manhattan. Is that about right? Wait, last episode, we did New Mutants special edition number one. How did you do that? Oh, uh, that's a good question, Adam. How did I do that? You know what else is interesting? New Mutants epic volume one includes the Magic Limited series, which makes sense. But it's, I think it's also in the X-Men Omnibus number three. I don't know. I feel like it's in everything. Yeah. Uh, was that in one of the... Uh, the uh, what were the things I was reading from for a while? The Marvel Masterworks? I yeah. I think it was, yeah. I feel like it was in, in one of those. But uh, I don't know. <laughs> Marvel and their trade paperback releases, uh, they confuse me. Okay. So, on to the issue. This issue is written by Chris Claremont, penciled by Art Adams, and we got three inkers, Alan Gordon, Mike Mignola, and Art Adams inking himself. Tom Orzakowski is the letterer. Petra Skatezi is the colorist. Not familiar with that person's work. Do you think Petra's a dude or a girl? I'm going to say comics industry, probably a dude. Yeah. Probably. And Ascenti is the editor, and Jim Shooter is the chief. Mike Mignola, of course, of Hellboy fame. Yeah. Didn't he also work on some Marvel Comics Presents stuff? Maybe. Have we covered any Marvel Comics Presents stuff? No, not yet. Not not in Danger Room. I don't even know that Marvel Comics Presents is a thing at this point. I'm wondering if we may have encountered him in a classic X-Men or two. Oh, maybe. Maybe. But I don't know. Uh, yes, he will definitely go on to do things. 
Yes, lots of things. <laughs> lots of things. We get a little little intro on this this first page. Um, it's all of the X Men. It's Phoenix, Cyclops, Storm, Colossus, Wolverine, Nightcrawler, Shadowcat, and Rogue. And then, of course, uh, the New Mutants. We don't care about them, but they're here. <laughs> <laughs> Warlock, Mirage, Karma, Magic, Wolfsbane, Magma, Cipher, Cannonball, and Sunspot. So it is uh, all mutant gala event. As we mentioned in the middle, the title is There's No Place Like Home, and there's Lockheed. Is it Lockheed, or is that just a Asgard? Oh, there is Lockheed. Yes, there's Lockheed plus a bigger dragon. Oh, I only I saw, I only saw the bigger dragon until just now. Oh, Lockheed's so cute. And he plays a huge role in this issue, too. He sure does. <laughs> and so one midsummer's night, as the caption goes, we hear a scream coming from well outside of the mansion. Hasn't Chris Claremont used that before? Yeah, it's, it's uh, annual. I think when it comes to annual time, uh, the writers get a little bit more grandiose with their writing. <laughs> And uh, who knows? It is possibly a midsummer's night. It's the middle of the night. It's midsummer. It's raining, storming, if you will. And uh, the X Men come a running. Colossus uh, he shreds up a pair of pajamas. Oh, not again. Mm-hmm. Phoenix, or I'm sorry, Rachel Summers comes out. Spoilers. <laughs> I don't know why that happened. Uh, Rogue comes flying out, and uh, Wolverine also. He pops his claws as he runs out, and they they go to check out the grounds nightcrawler or actually rachel says that night to nightcrawler that she has to reach her so nightcrawler uh who looks like he's naked but he's not teleports rachel into kitty's room he's got pants on it doesn't look like it because he's everything's colored blue here wait what are you reading this in oh uh, i'm reading it on a uh the 2005 marvel scans okay so the coloring is probably different than mine i'm reading it from new mutants classic and you can definitely see a shirt and pants so in the second panel the last panel here of page two you can definitely see a shirt and pants i'm talking about the second to last panel if you just kind of glaze by it real quick it doesn't look like he's wearing anything i I, I cannot see the pants in the shirt. <laughs> I'll, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, and yeah, they they show up in Kitty's room, and Kitty is definitely throwing a nightmarish fit. Our first appearance of Longshot here in this issue. Well, not including the title <laughs> sequence. Where's Longshot? I would sorry, uh, Lockheed. Oh, that's gonna say. Oh, oh boy, that's gonna happen a lot. <laughs> oh man, and uh, Rachel. Does a psi link on Kitty, uh, I think maybe to calm her a little bit, but also to do a mental projection of what it is that Kitty is seeing to try to figure out what's going on. Uh, and, and, um, and so we see Ileana as the demon child. Uh, looks like she's roped up most of the new mutants in the background. Yeah, Rachel says that apparently Kitty and Ileana share a primal subconscious awareness of each other. Which that's is how people are after they hang out for a while. Sure, sure. Which is why whatever's happening or whatever psychic connection uh, is happening uh, is happening. Although they, there will be more about this later in the issue. Okay, I don't remember it. Yeah, so we definitely see Ileana who seems to have all the new mutants uh, tied up or roped up or something. Got Storm in the foreground or mid foreground. She's got her eagle or she's got a hammer, first of all. She's got a cape. She's flying, it looks like. Uh, some big old Asgard boots and a wing, like a wing headband. See Loki and the Enchantress. Uh, the Enchantress is wearing a 
different outfit than the one that she was wearing in the previous issue. Yeah, so if I'm a casual Marvel Comics reader, I I recognize Storm, I recognize Loki, I don't know who this girl is. Like, nothing about this image screams, oh, that's the Enchantress, unless you had read the previous uh, New Mutants issues and knew kind of where you were in the story. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not important that it's the Enchantress. It is actually, you're right, not important whatsoever. Because where did we leave Enchantress last? With Sim. In Limbo. Yeah. So <laughs> Was this fill in the blank episode? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say a few words, and then you're going to finish off the sentence. Uh, okay. That's how we will do the... Episode? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say podcast, but episode works. And you missed your okay. cue. We, we got to work on that. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not uh, used to this yet. Timing is everything. I mean, timing is... Everything. Yeah, yeah it's better. It's better. So... Uh, at this point, it looks like, I don't know if Cyclops was here before, but, but he is, he was in the background before, but now he's in the foreground with Madeline and he's like, what the devil? Cause he sees, uh, Ilyana. He hasn't seen Ilyana. Uh, he probably doesn't even really know what's going on with her. And, uh, Storm, who he's aware has lost her powers. He sees her flying around. Storm, having lost her power, shouldn't be able to fly. Yet there she is, and hurling bolts of lightning as well. This could be a nightmare, X-Men, or something far more ominous. We'd better find out which. Oh, thank God Cyclops is back. <laughs> Madeline says something that I can only assume she says with disdain. Uh, Scott, could that black woman be Storm? <laughs> Just I. I don't know if you would see those words in a modern comic book. Not that there's no, anything I, wrong with those words. I mean, they, she, could, she could be, I'm, I'm assuming she's saying it. Scott, could that black woman be Storm? Yes, I, I, am, I am as well. But it's just, it catches you off guard because I, I, I don't imagine that that's how that phrase would be worded today. I think it would be more, is that woman Storm? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Or the flying woman or the woman with the hammer or something other than skin color is the description. Who's she facing off with in this panel? Storm? Yeah. Well, it looks like uh, Dark Child uh, magic. Oh, Dark Child has goat feet? She, uh, hmm. In the previous panel, she has human legs. In the previous panel, I argue that you can't see below her knee. And so below her knee could be cloven hooves or whatever. I guess, but she is clearly colored peach or whatever skin tone right but in this little face-off sequence uh both storm and Ilyana are white like uh like astral projections so weird look in the future dark child is gonna have some some hooves so okay these are definitely dark child hooves dark child hooves <laughs> that's the name of my high school band by the way uh nightcrawler teleports in i don't know where he went um but uh, this is an hour later. Ah, okay. So he maybe got some milk or something for Kitty. He comes back and he he fills in everybody as to what's going on. Storm and the New Mutants were vacationing in the Greek Isle of Kyrnos. Freak Gale showed up, and uh, there's no radio or phone, and we haven't heard from them. So he's been on the horn. He's been checking the phone lines, making some calls, tuning the radio in, as it were. And Kitty is getting comforted, it looks uh, like, by Madeline. Yeah, we get a random, like, Rogue isn't in this issue very much, but we get a, a, a classic introduction of her powers. Right. Wish I could offer help. I want to offer my shoulder to cry on like Madeline's doing, but I don't dare 
risk Kitty or anyone touching my bare skin, because if I do, I'll steal their minds and powers. You need to know this because, well, I'm not actually going to do anything in this issue. That's not true. Does she do something important and I just forgot? Well, it's not really important, but she does do something. Does she steal somebody's? Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Okay, so this this makes sense. Take it all back. Take it all back. Um. I always felt, and this changes, of course, later in Marvel uh, uh, history, that every annual could be um, like a standalone story. Like maybe maybe you're an Avengers fan, but for some reason you picked up the annual. I feel like the stories generally are standalone and don't tie into anything else. Even though this story totally ties into a different story, you can read this start to finish and know what's going on. I believe... Uh... I I'd never read the first half of this story before. Yeah, neither have I. Because uh, I definitely have read this issue. And you just assume when you pick this issue up, it's like, oh, okay, so off the pages, Storm and the New Mutants were just vacationing for whatever reason, and they got kidnapped, and that's the setup for this issue. Okay. Those essentials, the black and white ones, they just throw in whatever they want to throw in. There is frequently no explanation what's going on, so that's that's what I read through most of this first the first time with it i was it didn't even occur to me to ask well i wonder what happened to storm yeah right well she's just back she's just back because that's how you assumed things happened in the marvel universe but when you start taking this anal retentive uh issue by issue look at the comics you do see that there is kind of a master plan kind of anyhow um there's a reference back to x-men alpha flight that wolverine makes about you remember what loki said uh, that he pays his debts it's only a matter of time so time's now he isn't called the great trickster the norse god of mischief for anything madeline if anyone can find a loophole in a promise it's him Right, because as we'll recall loki or the gods or somebody made loki promise to leave the x-men alone and clearly he is not doing that. So what is up, yo? <laughs> what is up, yo? Uh, Rachel's like, yep, that was a Psychic SOS. Uh, it's an Asgard, so that's how we got. That's what we got to do. And Cyclops is like, I have a plan. If the new mutants are in danger, it's the X-Men's job to go to the rescue. So he goes and grabs his little archer quiver of... Archon Arrows, if you recall, from X-Men Annual number three, right? Yes, I believe that's the last time we saw them. (laughs) He's just had these in the closet, and uh, apparently off-panel, Archon had been teaching him how to do various combinations of bolts to to transport him into, you know, whatever realm he wants to go. So he knows the lightning bolt recipe to get him into Asgard, so that's helpful. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, you know, Madeline's like, are you sure about this? Of course I am. I'm Cyclops. Uh, by the way, Madeline is pregnant. Uh, the baby is due, I think, very soon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very soon. The Madeline and, and Cyclops, they, they have a little kiss, and they're, they're going to like, all right, X-Men, let's do the mission. And that's when everybody turns around, and they're like, what is Rachel doing? doing by the white wolf says colossus for the first time in oh shoot uh at 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 rachel yes and in this issue (laughs) (laughs) that doesn't count uh yeah so she is she, she walks up the stairs rachel does and she says 
Hey guys, what gives up? You look like you've just seen a ghost. I got tired of running around in my Dan skins. I figured I better have a costume. What are Dan skins? I don't know. I feel like it's... Who's Dan? <laughs> um, I feel like it's a brand of clothing, but I don't know. It's what she was wearing before the stuff she was wearing. Cyclops is like, why that costume? Why that design? And I guess we should explain that the costume is yellow boots, kind of an orange skin-tight bottom with a yellow uh, phoenix bird top with orange gloves. I feel like this design is not really the same, but... You know, the same probably. as what as what we will come to know, or as the as the as the Jean Grey outfit. It's not the same at all. But what is that everybody's this? freaking out about? Well, Cyclops says, "Why that costume? That design?" And he goes on to say, "Your stylized bird image. It's the same as the Phoenix symbol worn by Jean Grey. I'd appreciate your wearing something different." Pfft, uptight. The outfit and the name Cyclops. I mean to keep them both. I'm sorry it upsets you, but it's also none of your concern. You're married, remember? You may be leading the mission, but you're retired from the X-Men. She's right, Scott, says Madeline. Isn't she? Sure, he says in his pouty face uh, as he gets his... his uh, I think it's more of a... Sure. Sure. Kitty thrusts Lockheed upon Madeline and says, Will you watch him? He won't be any trouble. She's used to Lockheed now. She's, she's like, yeah, I got this. Yeah, that's cool. This little dragon that you're handing me. And so Cyclops pulls out the magic combination, is about to use them. Kitty thinks to herself, How could you be so dumb, Ray? You know Jean was Cyclops' first love. In their timeline, they were your parents, but in this timeline, she died. She married Madeline, they're going to have a baby. Are you deliberately trying to hurt him? They disappear after it looks like Cyclops grabs one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, at least seven lightning bolts. Let's be honest. He just grabs a handful. He's like, look out, everybody. I know what I'm doing. It's one for each X-Men. So there's really no combo here. Yeah, sure. Uh, and they disappear. Madeline says, goodbye, Scott. Oh, Lord, why am I all of a sudden afraid I'll never see him again? Will we never be happy together ever again? I feel like she said this before. Probably. But this panel kind of leaves you set up for, like, something, but it never pays off. Because, spoilers, there's, like, no triumphant return where Madeline's like, I never thought I'd see you again. Or whatever. Anyways. Got to fill pages, Jeremy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's that's what we're about to do here. There's a lot of page filling going on. You get this uh, dreamy exterior. The colors are all pink and purple. Uh, magma is sitting by a tree at the mansion. And um, she's she transforms into her lava state. And she is somehow creating a fully flamed version of a fairy folk. So, so as we know from the last issue, she was a fairy folk, but now she's now she's back to normal and just controlling the fairy folk. And then Storm comes up, and Storm's also back to normal, and she's got her leather on and her mohawk. Sunspot and Cannonball show up, and they all seem pretty happy. I guess they're being taught by Storm, says Bobby, or says says Cannonball. Storm makes pretty good teacher, eh, Bobby? Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of like. It's a dream sequence, isn't it? I mean, isn't it? This is kind of trying to explain why the new mutants want to be in Asgard. Yeah, it's sort of trying to catch you up to what happened before. But it doesn't really, because this, I mean, what happened in last issue or the new mutant special edition is they 
they did whatever they did, and then they got out of Asgard, but then they're like, no, we're the new mutants. Let's go back in. And some of them were like, we love being here. And Cannonball was like, no, this is a bad idea. Let's go get the X-Men. No, they never left. They never left? Weren't they like about to leave or had the ability to leave? Well, they were. Nah. I guess they went to Limbo. So I guess technically they left if if, if you count Limbo as... I don't, I don't know really. I don't know what to really call Limbo. Well, Limbo is another like realm or whatever, another plane. But I, I feel like uh, if if they got to Limbo, I feel like if we reread that, I think they had an option to go from Limbo to Earth. But well, they were discussing it. They said, "Yeah, uh, we should go get the X Men," and then everybody was like, "No." Yeah. And so they so they didn't get the X Men. Uh, I guess they must have contacted Kitty Pride and then went back to Asgard. I'm looking at the last page. Uh, Loki started this, but whatever it takes, we'll finish it. And then they beam back to Asgard. Yeah. So this is just kind of setting up, like, I guess kind of showing how everybody's unhappy on Earth and why everybody's unhappy. Like, Cyber's like, I don't have any physical powers. I can just talk to machines. Warlock's like, I'm afraid of everything. Uh, We're seeing some of the self-consciousness of Rain. Um, Mirage, I don't know. She's whining about being a leader. Suppose I'm no good. Suppose I fail. I don't want anyone hurt or killed because of me. Basically, everybody's whining and complaining. Yep. And uh, and it gets ridiculous by the last panel where like Storm opens up her arms and says, "I wish to fly," and they're all just kind of revealing things that they they want. And Amaro's like, what the heck's going on? And that's when Sam comes up and says, a human girl shouldn't know these things, but part of a fairy's gift is the ability to see the secrets in another's heart. And a fairy is what you've become. And that's when she wakes up in a really well-drawn panel. She looks like a fairy. Ah! Yeah, I'm here, Amara. You're dreaming, Magma. But you're okay now. You're awake. Back to reality. Sam looks exhausted. Yeah, he does, right? So in the previous panel his dream panel he's all dressed nicely he's got a nice tight haircut and now his hair is kind of unkempt he's wearing robe well i don't know about robes but he's wearing like asgard stuff yeah he, he looks miserable he's got a five o'clock shadow on his face back at the forge uh looks like they're working on uh some stuff so loki asked Yitri, Yitri, Yetri? i don't know how you pronounce his name the king of the dwarves to make a hammer um and so they are forging the hammer in this next two pages which is they they require magma's powers very specifically which makes me wonder how does he normally do this yeah <laughs> Well, it's not every day you get to make a power or a, a hammer that rivals the power of Thor's hammer. But what would he do if, if like, I just want to know how he would do it if Magma wasn't here? He wouldn't. Because basically, they say uh, they Sam raises Amara into the air. She fires lava at the uh, molten form of the hammer, and then they have to travel from the dwarven cages over to where Loki is, and Amara has to be very close to the hammer the whole distance in order to keep it at the right heat level oh yeah so like if if how did i don't know what would he say if if she wasn't there to loki is like sorry dude couldn't do it yeah um i i I just don't have a fire blasting fairy folk yeah i it's all i got i got no idea so yeah she's hanging out by the uh the I don't know, by the mold, I guess, of the hammer. Um, Sam is given some new armor and a sword. Yeah, they know that um, 
I don't I don't know. I think we brushed over last issue, but the the eagle that uh, Loki turned Storm into, mm-hmm. um, they recognized that it was probably Storm. It was a falcon. Falcon, yes, yeah, because it had a white mohawk, and they were like, "I bet that's Storm." So now that they now they feel like they need to go rescue Storm. We also find out that the sword that is given to Cannonball will cleave through anything save that which lives. So which seems kind of useless. Does seem useless, but maybe he'll find a use for it. At that moment, elsewhere in Asgard, the X-Men arrive, and uh, Cyclops is like, oh, thank God. I didn't think we were going to make it. <laughs> um, you sure this is the right place, sugar? If it's Asgard, I ain't impressed, says Rogue. Wolverine smells hunters and blood, and there's they see uh, uh, hunters have tracked down a wolf, and they're trying to wrangle him in, and the X-Men say, that's oh, probably not... Probably not rain, but there's no way I'm leaving any animal to be butchered, especially by the likes of them. They don't like hunters. Cyclops, or yeah, Cyclops is like, hold on, we don't know. Oh, blazes! I can't control you. I never liked you. <laughs> After him, X Men, and remember, we need information, not a body count. So the X Men spring into action. They're fighting off all these guys. Uh, they keep the wolf protected. Uh, and the wolf turns into the half-man, half-wolf we met last issue, who is supposedly a prince. What's funny is that Wolverine runs down and never actually fights anybody. <laughs> He's, like, too busy running there, and the, and the rest of the X-Men just kind of show up and handle it. Yeah, so maybe he's thinking, like, oh, come on, <laughs> this is my thing. This was my caper. <laughs> Bubs, you futzers. Yeah, this was Rain's uh, boyfriend from the last issue who referred to himself as a prince. And, uh, yeah, she surprised Kitty, or he surprised Kitty, and that's when Hela shows up and, uh... I came in search of a wolfen prince's soul, but it appears thanks to you, mortal, Hela must must needs contend herself with this paltry band of trolls. And apparently, did they kill all the trolls? Or did just, Hella just kill all the trolls? I don't know. I, I'm, I'm having a hard time understanding what it is Hella does. It, it seems to make sense that she comes to claim souls of the dead, um, but it certainly doesn't seem within the wheelhouse of the X-Men to kill a bunch of trolls. And then later on, she'll do it again to one of our characters who is not dead, but is dying. So so maybe, okay, they, they mentioned somewhere in this issue that Thor's out of town and Odin's out of town. Odin is presumed dead and Thor is definitely out of town. And that Hela is just kind of, normally doesn't walk the land of the living like this to collect things. So maybe she's just kind of taking advantage of what's going on and speeding up the system. Those guys are hurt. Now they're dead. <laughs> Those souls are mine. I bid thee welcome to the Golden Realms, Paladins, especially thee, Star Soul Firehair. That was my high school band. Star Soul Firehair! <laughs> the pedigree is written on thy face, thou art in truth much like thy damn. You knew my mom, says Phoenix. How does she know that thy damn means my mom? I have no idea. She studied Norse Asgardian history. Hilla says that uh, Jean Grey was sent more souls unto me than any who professed to serve my cause, which makes Phoenix really upset. Yeah, that makes you upset. Uh, that makes her upset. She goes, that wasn't her fault. 
The why matters not, says Hella. Only the deed itself, as Phoenix blasts a mind bolt through uh, Hella. But Hella's a god, basically, so it doesn't hurt her. She's the goddess of death. Glad I am to know thee, child of light and darkness. Mayest thou be all thy mother was and more. And with that, she drops the mic. Dunk, dunk. And Cyclops is right behind, kind of like, huh, that's weird. She called herself Phoenix. Her mom sent a bunch of souls to Hela. Nah. (laughs) (laughs) That will be mentioned later as as well. It will, and I didn't really notice it. Uh, Well, I noticed that dialogue. I just didn't notice how it worked in this panel until just now. Uh, But anyways, uh, elsewhere, meanwhile, there's a mohawked falcon uh, flying around who's being followed by a warlock falcon. The city of Asgard is still being rebuilt after the wholesale devastation of the Surt War. Ooh. Remember the Surt War? Yeah, that was in Thor uh, numbers 351 and 353. You should check out our Thor podcast. Yeah, it's the Thorcast. <laughs> That's good. I like that. <laughs> the Thorcast. Yeah, anyways, um, at, I, guess, I don't know, uh, Mirage and Rain and Karma, Ilyana and Cyber have uh, made a base Somewhere. Somewhere in the outskirts or the inskirts of Asgard. Probably the Enchantress's castle. Oh, yeah. That would make sense because they did kind of oust the Enchantress. Well, actually, in, in Cypher just says, I should be out there with him to keep him out of trouble. We're referring to Warlock as the bird that is following Aurora. Not stuck in the Enchantress's castle, translating her dumb magical books. Right. On the screen in front of them is a video of Storm Falcon, and this video is being taken by uh, Warlock, who's flying around with a little camera eye, and like for some reason, like a little spider Warlock is hanging off of the camera. It's kind of, eh, whatever. They do not realize that the bird is Storm. Nope, but they're following, uh, well, he, Warlock's following it, but Mirage is like, you don't have time to be following Uh, that falcon you're supposed to be pinpointing aurora's whereabouts oh the irony Ah. Ilyana, she's getting kind of angry she's got like her well she's got her dark child armor and helmet on and everything she makes fun of doug because he doesn't have serve much purpose other than to be able to translate languages and he's like stop complaining about what we're letting you do you twerp yeah i can't read the books doug can he can play hero when he's done Loki's the top sorcerer in Asgard. These grimoires may contain the only means of defeating him and rescuing Storm. Speaking of Loki, he's at his castle, I guess. The Falcon arrives to him, and he's like, Ah, I thought I knew every bird in Asgard, but I've not seen this other bird. So he shoots it with an arrow. (laughs) He's like, It could be a coincidence, but why take a chance? And he shoots it. And it's it's winked out. The the screen at the castle winks out. Cyber is like, oh my god, he's been shot. Squee. Mirage is gonna go after him with uh, bright wind, but Cyber's like, not on my watch. Cipher, not on my watch. I'm getting on the horse with you. And so they're like, no, you can't. He's like, just stop me. And so they leave. Rain, shoot, shift to wolf form so we can use our special mind link to keep in touch. Danny, take care. Yana gets mad. Don't they realize I'm the only one who matters? I have work to do, Karma. Stay out of my way. Karma and Rain shrink into the corner, and they think. Uh, Karma thinks to herself, oh, Yana's really changed. The more she practices the Enchantress's spell, the more she becomes 
like her. She probably doesn't want to return to Asgard. So many of us new mutants also don't want to return to Asgard. Gee. Well, don't want to return home. Or, uh, home. Yeah, they want to stay return, in Asgard. Return from Asgard Yeah, is what I said. Totally. Really. I misheard you. Um, Loki, uh, he is like, did you like you? Do you like your gift, Aurora? Uh, you can fly, and uh, you know, in a, in a little while, we'll figure out a way for you to fly without having to shift into a Falcon. But you know, it's something right now. And I'm not quite sure what's going on with Aurora here. She, there's the implication that well, she's acting like she's being mind controlled by Loki. Right. But he also makes it pretty clear that he's not doing that. He's just turning her into a bird, which lets her fly and making her happy. But, I mean, the the storm that I know is a little bit smarter than the storm that is in this issue. So, not sure what's going on. Storm was in X-Men versus Alpha Flight, right? No. She wasn't. She oh, lost you're right. She power by that point. So, she was... She was headed towards Africa, I think. During, yeah. Okay, all right, so maybe that's the loophole. Maybe maybe she is being mind-controlled, but since she wasn't technically an X-Men at that time, this is the loophole. He says, yeah, well, yeah, his, he's getting to the X-Men through the New Mutants and, and Aurora. I think he said that in the last issue. Um, but yes, he's, he's like, don't you like your, your power, your, your ability to fly? And what about the X-Men? Do you like them? Are they cool? I shall always care for them, but they have no need for me. I have no need for them. Uh, I'm very happy. He says, he thinks to himself, my plan proceeds apace and mix. I mix a touch of magic, the slightest of spells, with Storm's own yearnings to bend her wit, her completely and of her own free choice to my purpose. So that That seems like a contradictory statement because what it sounds like is, Storm yearns to have this ability, and Loki is using that yearning with some magic to push her over the edge, which, I don't know, seems like a little bit of a mind control to me. Mind manipulation, if nothing else. Well, I'm, I'm okay with, with this. I'm, you know, Storm's, I'm okay with Storm being pretty excited that she gets to fly again to the point where she's willing to give up her life with the X-Men. I mean, she was kind of already headed in that direction. It's stuff that comes up later that doesn't really jive well with me. It also seems a little odd that she would take in with the Lord of Lies. Yeah, you would think that she would know. Didn't she read the files about him? Right. There's got to be extensive Loki files. Anyhow, uh, back at a camp, we've got some of the X-Men, some of the New Mutants uh, hanging out, talking about Night Gaunts and Demon Riders, Reigns Prince. Uh, apparently this, this guy who is now having medicine administered to him by Nightcrawler is having his mind read by Rachel so they can figure out what's happening. He's a prince. He's been following rain. Uh, so her image is very strong in her thoughts. That's rain. Talk about a star-crossed romance. At least this confirms Kitty's dream we're on the right track. I don't like doing it, but I can't see any alternative. We have to split up. Wolverine, Shadowcat, and Phoenix reconnoiter the city of Asgard. If you, we can contact Thor, I'm certain he'll stand by us. The rest of us will hang with the prince. Kitty is enamored by this. Wow, the home of Norse gods. Wow. It's just a caper, cat. Same risk, same stakes as always, says curmudgeonly Wolverine. 
I don't know, Logan, the way Hella spoke to Ray, and Ray hasn't smiled ever since then. Uh, and then she thinks to herself, we don't dare talk openly to her because she hasn't told Cyclops who she really is, which is so dumb and so sad, and she won't use size speech. She's the loneliest person I know, and she seems to want it that way. In that she's so much like her dad, he heard Hella. He must know who Ray is, but he hasn't said a word. So that was nice because, like, after that that scene where you you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. I was like, why wouldn't Cyclops say anything? But then they they actually touch on it. Yes, they address it. But my favorite part of this is Cycl- uh, uh, Shadow Cat's tweet where she says. Rachel hasn't told Cyclops who she really is, which is so dumb and so sad. <laughs> yes, that's under 140 characters. You betcha. And and sad should just be by itself with one period. Yeah, sad. Sad. <laughs> and so Rogue, finally having something to do, has scrounged around and found some disguises uh, that are very revealing. What? When did Rogue do this? I don't know. So did Rogue just, like, infiltrate the town? Yeah. I'm going into Asgard by myself to get you some outfits. I'm not going to do any reconnoitering that you guys are supposed to do because Cyclops told me not to. Yep. Yeah. I didn't ask anybody about Thor. Don't worry. (laughs) I have no idea if Thor's there or not. I didn't ask. Cyclops didn't ask me to. Uh, And she takes off. I don't know where she's going. She's like, see y'all later. Don't forget to write. She flies away. It looks like Rachel's outfit has a hairpiece attached to it. Yes. At first I was like, who is this long hair, red haired girl? But it's Rachel. And then Kitty, she's got, uh, Rachel's got the skimpiest of the outfits. Rachel, or uh, uh, Kitty's is kind of more like a nightgown. And then Wolverine, what the heck? He's got like shoulder pads and like a loincloth. <laughs> I don't want any cute remarks, pride. You mind me, girl. I'm sorry if I don't make I'm jokes. I'm really grumpy in this issue. <laughs> I keep seeing Hellas in my mind, eyes, and wonder if we'll meet again. Sooner or later, darling, everybody does. Just go check out my movie, Logan. It's <laughs> all about mortality. I met Hella in Logan. It's just off camera. She doesn't want to die. Pretty silly, huh, for a semi samurai superhero. Oh, little nod to Kitty Pride and Wolverine. Yeah, I'm surprised they don't. They don't uh, give us a little asterisk. Let's get to work, they say. And so we switch our attention over to a tavern in the city where Sunspot has got all the ladies surrounding him. Uh, they all wonder who Sunspot thinks is the fairest of all of them. And he's about to choose when Mirage and Cypher burst in the door and say, Hey, looks like you're having fun, but I need you right now. What happened to Cypher's sleeves? Well, he was like, all I do is read stupid books. I want to look like a tough guy, too. So while they were flying the horse to the tavern, he ripped his sleeves off. Did he lose them last issue? I don't know. (laughs) But yes, I noticed that in this panel as well, uh, that he has no sleeves. Yeah, flipping back, he doesn't have sleeves in the previous panels. He was in either. So at some point, he just ripped his sleeves off. Some drunk guy tries flirting with Mirage. She's not into it at all. Vigdal be my name. Give me a break, will you, pal? Everybody else is afraid of Danielle. Yes, for a reason that nobody quite understands. Um, Art thou mad, Dolt? Says someone to the drunk to approach one of the riders. Mm-hmm. So they all leave. They take Sunspot with them. And as they're walking uh, to wherever they're going, that's when Cypher sees 
a warlock with an arrow through his heart, and he looks in a big, bad way. He looks sort of Dr. Seussian. Be very. He's low on energy. He's dying. Mm-hmm. His life glows so dim, says Cypher. We reached him just in time. Not to worry, partner. Danny will fly you back to our hideout, and we'll fix you up as good as new in a jiffy. Right, Danny? Warlock sees Danny's silhouette and freaks out, shoots at her, and then runs away. He says, scream! Maker, smasher, unfriend, termination, lifeo, life end, fear flee! And yes, he turns into like a giant gun shoulder, shoots at... Uh, Mirage and... Uh, he's gone crazy. He's gone crazy. Mirage hides behind the horse for some reason, so I guess she's sacrificing the horse over her. Uh, she, she, it looks like she's protecting the horse. Oh, yeah, you're right. I'm looking at it at the wrong angle. You're right. Uh, that Cyf- or, uh, Warlock grabs uh, Cypher, and uh, he runs off to, I guess, to protect him. And uh, uh, Mirage is Roberto like, comments that it's he saw Mirage and that's what spooked him. Hmm. And then the townsfolk, they all show up and they're like, explain yourselves. Tis the shadow skin referring to R- Roberto Outlander. You children explain yourselves. And Mirage turns around. Says, well, minding our own business, I suggest you do the same. And they all look like, oh, okay. Yeah, they definitely listen. Sunspot takes notice of this, and he's like, that's weird. I wonder. I thought we would all be happy in Asgard, that this is where the new mutants truly belong. But now, I wonder. (laughs) So we turn our attention to uh, Nightcrawler, Rogue, and the Prince. And Cyclops, too. Cyclops and Colossus, and they're getting close to Loki's castle. Uh, The Enchantress's castle. All right, the Enchantress's castle. Uh, They make their way there. The wolf guy runs. Nightcrawler teleports. Rogue flies Cyclops and Colossus. And uh, the the prince and Rain meet in dog form and start sniffing each other's butts. (laughs) Yeah, the prince from far away smells Rain and takes off. And everybody's like, follow him! And uh, Karma walks up, and that's when Rain transforms from wolf into a girl. And she's like, oh my god! What was I doing? When I saw my prince, I couldn't have helped myself. I acted like an animal. But I'm not. I'm a girl. I'm a human being. Aren't I? Everybody is uh, happy to see Karma. Yep. Because I haven't seen her in a while. So they go inside. They meet up with Ilyana. And uh, everyone's a little surprised to see her in her current form. Uh, Karma gives her the... Karma gives the X-Men the... Uh, she mentions that she's not... Ilyana's not quite the way that she used to be. Yana makes a crack. Peter and the wolves. How appropriate. Karma, I thought I told you I wanted to be left alone. Most of the ex-babies ran off a while ago and left me pretty much on my own, silly mewling brats. So who needs them? You arrived at the right moment. I'm about to cast a locator spell I found to zero in on Aurora. We can nab her and be gone before Loki suspects. Yana, wait. You can't take any chances. So Ilyana casts a spell identifying where Aurora is, which tips Loki off to where they are, and Loki shows up and shoots them all on the head. Silly geese to think the Enchantress wards would hide thee from mine eldritch sight. Meanwhile, uh, Cypher and Warlock are kind of in a desolate area of Asgard where there is no organic matter for Warlock to absorb or to transmute and devour. So Cypher's like, well, you could use some of mine. 
Is there a way you can absorb the life energy you need from me? I mean, without transmoting me into a techno-organic being to tide you over until we find something better? And uh, Warlock's like, self-friend would give so much? Of course. Buddies. Besides, you saved my life. It's my chance to pay you back. It won't uh, hurt, will it? So they, they merge. It looks like they're merging anyways. And uh, we get a far shot panel where we hear Cypher go, Wow! Exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point. And Doug Lock is born. <laughs> Apparently the uh, rest of the, uh, the Wolverine team is at Thor's house. And uh, my side scan reveals that he and Baldur the Brave led Ein Herjar, the warriors of Valhalla, into hell to free innocent souls that Hela has imprisoned there. That's quite a side scan. Yeah. Uh, there's no one left in authority for us to turn to, so it's anarchy right now in Asgard. And the break's red. Come on, lady, let's roll. We got company. Some real familiar sense. Yeah, real familiar. <laughs> and that's when Cannonball and uh, Fairy Amara are rolling a cart up to Asgard. Um, I think she's still heating or baking or whatever the hammer. Yeah, because she's got fire. She's like red and she's got fire coming off of her legs and stuff. Yep. So they make it into, I don't know, a courtyard or something like that where Kitty and Wolverine encounter them. Kitty peers over the uh, rooftop and says, Hi, Sailor, new in town? Kitty, Wolverine, Rachel, Amara, it's the X-Man. X-Man, X-Man, <laughs> saving the day. Uh, and Loki has all of the X, well, all of the other X-Men and all of the other new mutants, um, bound up by, I don't know, energy or something like that. And yeah, I don't think he's doing anything to block any of their powers. No, it's just some sort of invisible chains or something because they've all got their arms outstretched except for Rachel and the prince. So much for your word, Loki. Never to do the X-Men harm, Cyclops says. My dear Cyclops, I do nothing. I am being true to my to the absolute letter of my oath. The power responsible for this outrage is one of your own. That her actions rebound to my benefit is but the merest coincidence. However, it seems a shame that your compeers are not present to share your fate. Methinks I shall send my rock trolls to invite them to join us. And he brings some rock troll up from the ground. This guy's name is Ruggery for some reason. These changelings shall guide thee to thy quarry. He's got like some spiky belts, and that's when like a is this like a two-headed beast? No, it's two 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 creatures. No, they're uh, it's a they're collars. They're, he straps the collars on Rain and one on the oh. prince. Oh, turn into these vicious wolf beasts who have cool names: Grim Frang, Grim. Fang and Bleakheart. Bleakheart. Wow. And they are they go to form a metal duo and they ravage Asgard with their acoustic rock tunes. <laughs> go thou Rugri, bring me the X-Men and the new mutants. And uh, a person who you may not recognize right away says you've made a fatal mistake. Uh, chains cannot bind. And then you find out it's Nightcrawler because he says a teleporter. He kind of looks like um uh the guy, oh, no, I'm not going to remember his name. Uh, the guy from It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, Jimmy Stewart? Jimmy Stewart. He kind of looks like Jimmy Stewart. Ah, <laughs> uh, you've made a fatal mistake. Evil one. <laughs> I guess. Uh, I can't do a terrible Jimmy Stewart, apparently. Uh, Merry Christmas, movie house! 
uh, Merry Christmas, you old savings and loan. That's that's all I can do. <laughs> so Nightcrawler uses all his power in order to. He says chains cannot bind, but they're invisible chains. But whatever. He teleports his way out of them, wraps his tail around Cyclops' mouth, and gives Rogue a kiss. Kind of a cool idea. I mean, uh, I don't actually, you know, now that I think about it, it's not, it doesn't really seem to make all that sense because what happens is uh, Rogue then gains the power of Nightcrawler, so she's able to teleport out of her chains, the invisible chain she's in, and then because Nightcrawler, I guess, was touching Cyclops, Cyclops' optic blasts were transferred to Rogue, and she shoots uh, Loki to take him off balance. So at first I read this and I was like, that's a really cool plan. But now that I think about it, I was like, well, wait a minute. Why would Cyclops' powers travel through Nightcrawler into Rogue? That doesn't make any sense. That's just the way Rogue's powers work. She's like a uh, she's like a conduit of sorts. This will never happen again. I bet it will. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, that's what happens. Uh, Loki goes down. Uh, she teleports over and she's like, I only touched those, or, or Nightcrawler only touched me for a second, so I've only got a few minutes. Uh, but I, I should have plenty of time to, to beat up Loki. And that's when a voice calls from the outside, what are you doing, villain? Leave him be. And it's Storm. She's got a sword or a half sword. She says, no, Rogue is, Rogue is my friend. Loki is my friend. Friends do not harm friends. But she, what she sees is kind of like an evil woman, uh, over her friend Loki. She doesn't actually see rogue well she recognizes it as, as rogue she's because she says you wear a friend's form but in truth you are a creature of evil she she sees her as like an evil version of rogue yeah. i'm not sure why probably loki's doing yeah yeah i'm sure loki uh this this momentary uh uh interruption has allowed loki to cast a spell which binds rogue up uh, by her hands and her eyes and so now she's She's rendered useless. So so this harkens back to that earlier moment when she was thinking to herself about how she can absorb powers. Right. Where are the rest of the X-Men? They're in invisible chains. Yeah, I know, but like, shouldn't Storm see them and be like, hey, you've got all the X-Men here? Nah, Loki's making them invisible. <laughs> Who, what, my lord, was this fiend? Why did it attack you? And Loki says, well, there are some people out there who want to prevent me from... Giving me, giving you the gift that I'm going to give you later, but don't worry about it because we'll we'll stop them. We cut back to uh, Mirage on Brightwind, um, presumably with Roberto, and uh, yeah, they they stumble across Wolverine and Rachel, and Mirage sees like a goat death head over Wolverine and she's like huh I wonder what that's what that is all about a spirit face looming over over Wolverine what the heck is going on none of the others saw anything only me I feel so cold inside too as if my heart just turned to ice what's happening every time I turn around I come face to face with a new mystery and I don't like it one bit I haven't even a clue and the ground collapses and they all fall through and uh, I guess in the sewers underneath Asgard, they come face to face with Grimfang and Bleakheart. Oh, yeah. They start rocking it. No sign of Rugry, though. No. They start tearing up the city, basically. Seize the Outlanders, especially the Fairy Lass. 
There's a lot of fighting going on here. Looks pretty grim. Uh, Cannonball pulls out his sword, which uh, can't affect living matter. So he slices it through the wolf, which cuts the collar, the spiky collar we talked about earlier. And as the spiky collar gets cut away, rain appears. And Cannonball's like, holy cow, rain! <laughs> so that, that, that became useful quickly. Yeah. I was wondering how they were going to make that sword useful. And then, just uh, or just then, out of the star-speckled ebony of the evening sky, a series of black and yellow enterprises fly in and start shooting everything. Well, I think it's just one, but we're seeing it in motion. Oh. It's comic books. You know, it should have some motion trails in, because to me it looks like there are five, like Warlock has turned himself into five enterprises and they're flying in. Here we come to save the day. But what you said makes more sense. It's just one Enterprise. And it's actually also broken up into three panels. But, okay. I've never read it like that before. But that makes more sense. <laughs> um, oh, by the way, the bad guys already got the fairy lass, Magma, and snuck off with her. In case you were wondering. I wasn't wondering. Flee, brothers, we have the prize most craved by Loki. We'll finish these mortals another time. And that prize is, of course, the Hammer and Amara. So they take off. Uh, Warlock and, and Doug, they uh, they separate from one another. Or, or Doug kind of walks out of a door that Warlock had created for for him. And he is, uh, I guess, transforming from uh, Enterprise back to Warlock. They decide not to go after the uh, Amara because they'll go after the... Uh, oh, wait. There was an important point here. Wolverine got bit. Oh. By a poison dragon. That's right. That's that's sort of important. Burning up, blood's becoming boiling acid. Don't think my mutant healing factor can cope. And so, yeah, with everybody chased away, uh, Wolverine is back up on his feet. Sunspot's there. Rachel's there. Um, they need um, Rain to do some tracking, but she's worried that she'll be captured, I think, by Loki, because she doesn't want to have happen what just happened. She doesn't want to turn back into Grimfang. Right. But uh, Kitty kind of talks her down. It's like, this is the only choice. you got to do it. you got to be a hero. we got responsibilities, blah, blah, blah. No, you're scared, Rain. Me too, but you can't let that beat you. I guess this is the hardest part about being an X-Man or a new mutant. We can't live normal lives. We can't run away from our problems or threats or bad guys, no matter how terrible they are. We can't fail them, Rain. We won't. Did you hear me? Meanwhile, at the Hall of Heroes, which I guess is maybe Odin's Hall... There's some sort of celebration where there's a bunch of Asgardians, uh, warriors. Loki is introducing everybody to Storm, essentially. Uh, is she even in the panel yet? She might not be. No. Um, and he is uh, suggesting that they they need a replacement for Thor. Mm -hmm. And the X-Men have infiltrated wearing various disguises, although Warlock kind of looks like a Hagger the Horrible with like a big round nose and a bushy beard. And presumably uh, Doug inside of Warlock says, Warlock, this is not a great disguise. Yeah. It's kind of funny. So this becomes a thing, right? Like the, the fusing of Warlock and Doug? Yeah, it's Douglock. Is that is that a thing? That is a thing. Okay. I did not make that up. I'm not a New Mutants guy, so. Or I would be a billionaire. Oh, yeah. Well, well probably not. Doubt that. <laughs> 
I don't know when they started calling them Duglock, but eventually. Well, uh, yeah, Karma uses her ability to possess Ilyana, and it takes a lot of effort. And I guess I should also mention that uh, Wolverine is here, and he's he's holding his own, but he looks like he looks terrible. He's all shaky. So the the rest of the X Men are still being held prisoner by the invisible chains, and that's that's when uh, I guess they're gonna die eventually. Yeah. So that's when Karma takes over Liana, possessing her. Uh, it's apparently very difficult to do, but um, you know, we cut away, so we don't even get to see what happens. I must possess her now or never. Back so, at the Hall of Heroes. Sunspot's like, don't worry, has, Rachel. We're going to... He has stern words for for Sunspot. Yeah. It's, he's all cocky, like, we're going to save the day. We got this. Um, yeah. I know the risks. I laugh at danger. And that's when Wolverine lectures him like, a, I've seen things. I've done things. You don't know, little boy. Sunspot's like, you're not my father. Wolverine's <laughs> like... I'm not your father, but I'm a man doing my job, and you're a boy chasing a fool's dream. That dream is Asgard. Uh, Roberto points out that back on Earth, mutants are hated. And Wolverine says, oh, I see Earth isn't good enough for you. Poor little mutie. Poor little mutie fella. Don't get no respect. Wine, wine, wine. I don't know why I even bother talking. I guess because I thought you were worth the effort. My mistake. It's your life, Sunspot. You're free to make any kind of mess you please. Aurora is who I care about and who I'm going to the wall for. And this panel here of Wolverine, of just his eyes and a whole bunch of like wrinkles, uh, will be drawn by Jim Lee over and over and over again. <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, sort of Jim Lee-esque Wolverine in this. Well. Some of these are kind of combination uh, Rob Liefeld, Jim Lee-esque. I mean, you know, obviously they came after and these are what inspired them. I'm not saying that. But uh, there are a lot of stuff here that seems like they, they inspired both Rob Liefeld and Jim Lee, particularly with the Wolverines. That's what I'm trying to say. Definitely. Well, one of the Asgardian women, I think it's one of the Asgardian women, or is it an X-Man in disguise? No, it's an Asgardian woman. It's a, it's a bartendress. Warrior, art unwell? Fine, darling. Don't worry about me. Just got to stay on my feet a little while longer. Once the job's done, then I can let go. Wolverine's dying. It's serious. Yeah, this is going to happen, everybody. Wolverine's going to die, this issue. <laughs> Back at Loki's place, Cannonball flies in, uh, bursting a hole for Kitty and Rain. Uh, Kitty. that uh, Shan and Eliana are passed out. And behind Kitty, Colossus is about to pound her into the ground. Cyclops blasts him in the back of the head, and Nightcrawler says, "Sorry about that close call, Catchkin. Because he's Ilyana's brother, Peter proved most more susceptible to the spell Loki made her cast. If Shan hadn't possessed her and broken Loki's hold, we'd have all ended up like that. So there was a big spell to make all the X Men bad guys. Yeah. Once he wakes up, he should be in his right mind again. Well, I'm glad you guys are here. Let's do this thing. So." Uh, Loki, now at the Hall of Heroes, uh, presents Aurora to everybody, uh, rolls up the wheelbarrow, and is, I don't know, shot in the face? No, it looks like he's shot in the face, but he's not. Uh, Rachel uses her telekinetic ability to wrap his cape around his face. Rachel's telekinetically tied up Loki lock. Let's grab Amara. Warlock reaches out, grabs 
Amara pulls her towards him. Aurora, uh, Wolverine runs towards Aurora. Aurora, snap out of it, darling. Sunspot now is thinking, Wolverine, something's terribly wrong. Some Asgardians like, who are these upstairs who dare to attack the Lord of Asgard? We're Professor Charles Xavier's school for gifted youngsters. And he pauses for a second and says, Bub. Want to make something of it? And Sunspot has now snapped out of his own self-pity, wallow, whatever he was doing, uh, and is uh, he's fighting back. Thine intervention, youth, was not entirely unexpected, Loki says, and snaps his fingers. And that's when a whole bunch of rock trolls appear. Rock trolls. And that's when some of the Asgardians are like, how dare Loki summon such as these to the sacred place? Loki is a little upset about how all this stuff is taking place, but he gets to his back to his task and gets the uh, hammer out. Has Aurora grab it. Wolverine says, no, Aurora, don't. But she does. Should we get a close-up of her face as she's grabbing it? That's lighting up her face, and she's got a big smile on her face. And then, you truly, thou art truly a storm. And we get a a three-quarters page panel of Storm raising the hammer above her head. And she's now got Asgardian armor on and... She's back to her full storm majesty, I suppose. Waboom, bada boom, says the hammer. And she is very happy. Loki's very happy. Everyone's happy, except for the X-Men and the New Mutants. Her hammer is bound to my power by the spells that forge it and Aurora to it by her life's blood. None in the golden realm, not even Thor, can deny her this place of honor. Wolverine, one last time, says, Aurora! You've been suckered. Yeah, and uh, Loki's like, don't listen to him. But uh, Wolverine, in true fashion, pushes against uh, Storm's hammer. She's got, like, the full brunt of her hammer's power blasting at Wolverine. He's trying to walk through it. Take your best shot, darling. I ain't about to quit. She's wondering, how can it be? How can this guy show so much courage? Loki's my friend. He would not lie. And a a very, I don't know, skin-boiled wolverine falls at Storm's feet and says, Storm, he's the god of lies. That's all he does. I don't like the fact that Storm doesn't give the X-Men the benefit of the doubt. This does seem very out of character for Storm. She's she's blasting Wolverine just because she's convinced that it's not really Wolverine. And she's really surprised when his true form isn't revealed by blasting him. And I don't know. This could be could be better written. I, I don't know. I don't know what what and I'm not buying it. I, I, I need some sort of mind control, I guess. I would wager that Art Adams had an idea and said, Chris. I want to draw this. And Chris is like, okay, whatever you want to do. Uh, but as they put it all together, Storm's personality is not here. Like, this is not Storm. I agree with that. And I'm fine with that as long as they throw in a little bit of dialogue about how, you know, even if it's just like I'm subtly manipulating her with mind control. It's very subtle, though. So there's there's enough of Storm's personality that she's still making her own choices. But, you know, I'm still kind of uh, doing something evil. Yeah. That's all I need is one line of dialogue, and I'm and I'm sold. Well, you don't get it, so so move on, Adam. Okay, Hela sh- Hela shows up, and she's about to collect Wolverine, and Storm now realizing that she's the cause of it, is says no. Um, 
Thine, uh, Hala says that thine was the hand that struck him down. I do but finish what thou has begun. And Mirage shows up on bright wind, her horse, saying, leave him alone. Foolish child, thou art a Valkyrie, one of Odin's warrior uh, maids, his choosers of the slain. Thou shouldest be standing by my side to aid me, not keeping me from my appointed task. And she realizes, oh, man. I'm a I'm a Valkyrie. Well, if that's who I am, what I what my stay in Asgard has made me, then Hela, I choose to slay you. But nobody slays Hela. No. Uh, presumptuous girl, let this mild chastisement teach thee and any others who seek to bar my way their proper pa- uh, place. Uh, both uh, uh, Mirage and Brightwind fall to the ground. What have I done, says Aurora? Yeah, she's left holding Wolverine's, cradling Wolverine's body, wondering what she's done. And Wolverine's powering through. He's got blood coming out of his nose, blood coming out of his mouth. And what I can only imagine is it's a struggle for him to even move his mouth. He says, Aurora, whatever Loki offered you, no matter how wonderful, uh, wasn't for you, but for him. He's using you, darling. And this, to me, it feels very... Like very Wolverine. Yeah. Yep. Why? Why is that? What do you mean? I don't know. Just this. This is. I don't know. We've been tracking Wolverine's growth over the, over the series of the X Men, and and this is a, an example of of that exemplifies what we've been talking about. So that's he's a, it. He's a good guy. He's a good dude. Yeah. He's your uncle. Your good <laughs> uncle, not the one that touches you. That's a bad <laughs> uncle. Bad uncle. That's a bad touch. <laughs> Never Wolverine. Wolverine is not dead yet, Queen of Hell, and you shall never have him while Storm has breath and power to defy you. And he, uh, Storm, casts, brings down the lightning on Hela, and um, she's she's got all her power. Well, she's got essentially the powers of Thor, which are essentially the powers of Storm. Yeah, well, Thor is pretty powerful. He's a pretty powerful dude. Yeah, that's so they say. Yeah. Uh, Cyclops says, Aurora's everything she ever was and more, but even that may not be enough. So, let's you and I, young Phoenix, lend a hand with your mind blast and my optic beams. And there was sort of a thing that we didn't really discuss in this issue where Cyclops has trouble calling her Phoenix, and at this point, he finally just accepts who she is and says, Okay, Phoenix, there's a couple of, uh, Rachel (laughs) Phoenix... Yeah, whatever that was, it was it was brief, uh, and I don't actually even remember reading it. So. I do. It was amazing. <laughs> I believe you that it was there. It's just it wasn't very well um, uh, brought to the front. But I, I get what they're what they're going after. So everybody's attacking Ayla, and she says, "I'll flay the skin from your bones." And the the Valkyrior, the Vel the Valkyrior, it's like Valkyrie and warrior combined. They show up, and Ayla just says, "I'm out of here." The I and her jar are at my gates. I must husband my strength to match it against that of Thor. See Thor three sixty one to three sixty two. And therefore cannot deal with these upsets as they deserve. But I swear we shall meet again. The last laugh shall be mine. I randomly flipped through Thor 361 and 362 just because I was curious if Halo would mention this issue. No. No. There was no mention whatsoever of the X-Men. Well, Loki was hiding under a table this whole time. And he comes out and he's like, well, I'm glad that's over. 
Uh, with Hela not here and Thor and Odin, they're all gone. That that means Asgard is mine. But Storm is like, you lied to me. It is you, Deceiver, who are the evil one. She throws her hammer at Loki, but Loki was controls the powers of it, and so he just catches it, throws it right back at her, knocking her over. Uh, did you did you did did didst thou thinkest Aurora I could be harmless just instead by a hammer I helped forge my patient it has, my patience is at an end and with it your pathetic lives that's when Kitty steps up to the plate and says says you weasel face there may be a score of X Men and new mutants loose in Asgard we know the truth and so do the Valkyries either you call it quits right now you send us home with all the curses lifted and no more vendetta or we scatter you won't catch us all sooner or later somebody will reach Thor Balder or Heimdall or Freya or the Warriors three and poof go your precious ambitions to be the boss around here and maybe a whole lot more Wolverine says way to go cat you art Art threatening me, youngling? You betcha! Ah! Oh, and this is elsewhere. This isn't, uh, who says this? This is Carnilla, oh, Lord Jesus. of the Nor- Queen of the Norns. Um, she doesn't matter to us. Yeah, yeah. Apparently she's kind of, like, manipulated this whole thing, though. It's, it's, she, she's like, from what I understand from this issue, she is the equivalent of Loki in that she also is a devious person who wants to control Asgard. "'Twas I who enabled the witch-child Ilyana to touch her soulmate's dreams, mine own eldritch might, which enabled the X-Men to cross the cosmic gulf from Midgard." So basically, it wasn't Cyclops's recipe. It was this person who manipulated the whole thing. Well, don't tell Cyclops. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, and so it's just, I don't know, I guess if you're a big Thor fan, maybe you're like, "'Yeah! Carnilla's in this issue!' But to us, we're like, "'What is this here for?' (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so we get this brief little page, and then we're back to Asgard, where where Loki's like, fine, but I got a deal for you. All of you have to leave. If any of you remain, then you all have to remain. And then everybody's got a choice to make, right? So Rain's like, my prince! And the prince is like, my Rain! Like, oh, Danny, I love him, but I cannot stay. In addition, any powers, gifts, enchantments you have gained here shall be stripped from you. By magic blade and armor, for example, cannonball will become simple steel, and the spells learned from the enchantress Grimoire Zuliana shall be forgotten. In addition, thou wilt return her, I trust, last for thy sake unharmed, from her imprisonment in thy realm in limbo. Magma becomes human again. I'm guessing Wolverine heals. However, I am not so ungracious as to condemn the karma to the gross form that was thine on Midgard. Thou may retain thy beauty. Convenient. Mm-hmm. Hold, deceiver! By Odin's law, horse and rider may not be separated once the binding or bonding has been made. Nevertheless, Valkyrie, my will is adamant. Mist, I'll break my heart to lose Brightwind. I think I'd rather lose my soul. Fine, take the horse back to Earth. Okay. <laughs> there you go. So this was, uh, Mist was Vel- uh, Mirage's liaison to the Valkyrie. Yeah. Look, he says, on Midgard Aurora, thou wilt once more merely be a woman without powers to fly. The X-Men and their world hold no place for the let them go, stay storm, by a goddess rule Asgard by my side. But know that shouldest thou refuse me, we are quits. I shall cast thee from my heart as I do thy comrades from my realm, ne'er to return. 
Sweet words, a tempting offer, O Lord of Lime, or Lies, O Lord of Limes, <laughs> O Lord of Lies, but Asgard is not your realm, Loki, and I shall be no party now or ever to making it so. And she once again brings down the lightning, utterly destroying her hammer. Scrack a cat a towel. That was my first hit single from. <laughs> My old band. Bleak Heart. You refuse, you dare, so be it. Gather thy brood woman and get thee gone, blessed branches of Yggdrasil. What a woman! Uh, it, it would almost be worth losing the throne to win her by my side. Yeah. So, the X-Men, the New Mutants gather for one big panel shot. Uh, Warlock does a very cute uh, impersonation of Colossus. Oh, yeah, yeah, I didn't notice that before. <laughs> and uh, Loki's like, all right, there you go. And he zaps them all back to X-Men number 200. To thy mentor, Professor Charles Xavier, I send thee. And for that story, see X-Men 200. My part of the bargain is fulfilled, Mist. Uh, we two shall keep our word, Loki, and our silence. So the Valkyries head off. And that's when Loki's like, hmm, hmm. Ha 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 ha! He starts laughing. Perfect. Much was gambled uh, and much lost, but the great game continues. I endure, and tomorrow's another day. An immortal has nothing if not time to plot and scheme and try again. I will yet have my way in all these or all things. Asgard shall be mine, and who knows? Perhaps a queen. Until then, fair Aurora, this shall be a sweet something to remember thee by. And he conjures up a Aurora doll, <laughs> I guess. And and as far as I could tell, no mention of this at all in Thor. You you would think they they would pay back the love, but you know Chris Claremont was wrapped up in Thor right now. It's like, oh man, get across over with Thor. But I think Walt Simonson was doing Thor, and he was like, yeah, I'm not going to mention you guys. <laughs> um, all things considered, as far as an annual goes, uh, I thought the first part of this issue moved uh, and I was enjoying it although I, I thought it sagged in the middle and towards the end but overall pretty good story yeah as far as annuals go this is probably one of the best ones yeah yeah I would agree with that um, and it's not really saying much because I don't think we've been really a fan of any of the annuals up until now yeah yeah so not so much yeah. What's interesting, I was looking this up, uh, this annual was released in December of 1985, I think. Well... And then X-Men Annual 10 was January of 1986. Is that true? I think this was released in January of 1986, but the cover date is uh, 1985. Oh, okay. Well, I was when I was trying to track down what uh, trade paperback this appeared in i was seeing conflicting dates between this annual and annual te 10 so whatever i i think this i do i do think this comes out after x-men 200 oh which is which is kind of uh confusing yeah well i mean annuals come out when annuals come out and and really as i said earlier uh i mean nothing here happens right the x-men go to asgard do some stuff and get returned uh, and no yeah. one's the wiser nothing no change like unless you want to take away the fact that maybe cyclops thinks that uh rachel is phoenix or i mean rachel is his daughter in an alternate universe yeah maybe yeah. but other than that nothing really happens yeah and then spoilers like this costume doesn't i think show up in x-men 200 it's a weird costume yeah Anyhow, uh, 
we got a we got an iTunes that we'd like to talk to you about. What? Yeah, son. It's by <laughs> Good Lovin Five, and Good Lovin Five says found it last summer and enjoy listening at the gym or walking the dogs, which is ironic because Adam and I like to record while we're pumping iron at the gym. In fact, I'm working on my glutes right now. I'm actually walking my dog right now. Yeah. I've been walking my dog for the past hour. It's a real testament to your sound system that we can't hear like the wind behind you or you like out of breath. I'm all pro. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it has made me go by the omnibuses and reread. Quick question, though. I am on episode 95 and wondering what episode it takes the two of them to realize that Banshee is Irish and not Scottish. Keep up the good work. Well, first of all, greetings from the future in the past. Or Yeah, okay. <laughs> Glad you covered all the bases. Yeah, uh, definitely. Well, you're listening to it in the present, which is our past. But we're recording this in your future. But beyond that... Um, you got it. <laughs> uh, we know Banshee's Irish. We've known since day one Banshee's Irish. We we just do terrible accents, laddie. And see, I couldn't tell you if that's Scottish, Irish, or probably nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> probably but, nothing. I'm going to go with nothing. Yeah. So really... Uh, hey, Yeah. <laughs> Where are my lucky charms? Uh, see, anything we do on this podcast is is usually in bad taste not accurate uh and that about covers it yeah yeah bad taste not accurate and not accurate so there you go thanks thanks for your thanks for the note thanks for the stars uh we appreciate it and uh we're 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 five ratings away from 100 on itunes everybody no way so you know so what is the, what is the hundredth rating get uh in extra you need to give out surprises oh um I don't know how we would be able to tell who the hundredth. Um, oh, it's whoever. Yeah, whoever, whoever has the hundredth uh, written out message. Yeah, but I, I think there's only forty some written out messages. There's oh, I see what you're saying. Ninety five people have decided to give us stars, which we definitely appreciate. I don't know that there's any way we would be able to tell who that hundredth person is. All right, I got it. So wait, how many do we have to go before we get 100? Well, we're at 95. So, so we need five more. Okay, so the next five written reviews get prizes, and they're not going to be physical prizes. We'll figure that out later. <laughs> it'll be mentioning you on air somehow different than we normally do. I'll figure it out. <laughs> that is, uh, you'll be mentioned at the top of the podcast rather than the bottom of the podcast. Ooh, yeah, something like that. We'll do something yeah. clever. Okay. I can't wait to find out what that is. I, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so if you'd like to do that, uh, well, I mean, the best way to do that is to go out to iTunes and your little iTunes app or maybe your iPhone or, or whatever it is you have and search up Danger Room. You can subscribe to us there. You can leave us said stars, said reviews for said digital prize. Um, you can also visit us at www.xmenpodcast.com. Find us on facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast. Follow us at Danger Room Go. Email us, dangerroom at redcatproductions.com. You can give us a phone call at 501-GET-X-MEN, which is 501-438-9636. And uh, that's how you can get a hold of us. Um, also, our theme music is provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld. He doesn't lie. I don't lie much. <laughs> well, everybody lies. So, with that, uh, yeah, that's all I got. You got anything, Adam? No, bring this bad boy home. All right. Until next 
time, everyone. The Danger Room is closed.